Hello, my friends, and welcome back to Idle Chatter. I'm your host, Ray Bohax, the hot rod farmer from Cat Swamp Road over in Warren County, New Jersey. And it looks like it's getting ready to rain. A little bit of thunder coming on. The sky is getting dark. And boy, do we need it. I know other places in the country needed, needed, uh, needed much Needed much more than we do, but I was pulling my soil samples the other day, and God, was it dry. Oh, my God. Terrible, terrible. For April, uh, down at six inches, uh, below before six inches, it was so dry. Usually, it's so uh, damp when I pull it out that I have to wait a day or two for the sample to dry before I put it in a bag to ship it out to Midwest Labs. That did not happen this year. So, uh, God willing, we'll see what goes on. And uh, it's uh, looks like it's, I well I don't want to say it looks like it's going to be another challenging year because uh, you never know, right? You never know what it's going to be. You just trust in the Lord and uh, <coughs> and go from there. And what else can you do? So as a uh, well, I don't know if he truly listens to the show. Maybe he does, and maybe he doesn't. But he used to watch me on TV when I was on Successful Farming. I think I was on for six seasons, six six years, <clears throat> six or seven years. And they met him and his wife, lovely, lovely people. Uh, at Commodity Classic, I was giving uh, speeches on the main stage at the Firestone booth, and he came up to me. And they live out in Wyoming, and uh, they raise wheat there. And at that time, his name name is Derek Jackson. So, Derek, if you're listening to me, a big old cat swamp road, hello to you, buddy. And uh, I remember I had asked him, and I had said to him, Derek, at that time, it's been it was so dry in Wyoming, which uh, which it still is. And uh, I said, to you, What are you going to do? You're going to plant this year? It's so dry. And he said to me, Well, the good Lord cannot bless the seed if I leave it in the bag. And that, <clears throat> and actually, that statement resonated so much with me, and I use it so many times in my life, and that was actually what spawned this podcast, because I was going to do it, but then I wasn't going to do it, and then when he told me that, then I decided to do it a couple of months later. <clears throat> so, hey, the good Lord can't bless the seed if it's in the bag, right? So we have to give the Lord the opportunity to bless it and let those blessings come. God willing. So I have to clear my throat already, so I'm going to put on a dragster and kill the microphone. Yeah, righty, I'm back. Sorry about that. That's only a couple of minutes, three minutes into the show, according to the soundboard. That is, uh, I got to try to get this condition taken care of, but uh, the honey is definitely helping, but I think I took it too soon. I mean, too soon, meaning too soon before I was recording. So we will see what happens. But anyway, that is that. And I hope so. Hopefully, God willing, we get some much needed rain. And uh, let me see what else. Oh, most importantly, I want to get, I want to welcome aboard because he was kind enough to give me a pin in my map. And remember, when you give me a pin in my map, <clears throat> what that does is put you into the contest to win either a hot rod farmer license plate or one of the Fenta die cast models. And who responded to that the past couple of days was Mr. Kip, uh, I'm going to pronounce it Parham, P-A-R-H-A-M, from Royston, Georgia. 
So I got the Kip right, but hopefully I got Parham and Royston, and I got the Georgia right. So uh, hopefully I, I pronounced that correctly, sir. I want to thank you so much for reaching out to me, and I looked up Royston uh, when I was put so I could, so I could identify that more or less area uh, on my map. So I looked, I looked it up first, so I know I could put the pin in the more or less right place because my map has no, has just has the states on it, has no towns or cities, and I see it's not too far, Mister Mister Parham is not too far off of I eighty five, and uh, so not that far in from South Carolina from Fair Play, and so I basically rode right past his neck of the woods back in December when I went down to uh, to uh, Duluth, Georgia to Agaco, which is, I guess, north of Atlanta. So I wrote, boy, if I would have known, I would have blown the horn, Mr. Parham, and I would have waved. So thank you so much. And if you want to get into that contest, all you have to do is send me an email at hotrodfarmer at com. Best thing is to go to my website and just fill out the form to win the Hot Rod Farmer license plate. And this way I have all of your information. Of course, I take those and I put, I archive those. Lots of times I lose the people's emails, not by, not, not by intent, by incompetence on my part. So, uh, Matter of fact, I, uh, <clears throat> another listener, Mr. Nye from out in Delta, Utah, he sent me his phone number because we were going to chat, and I inadvertently erased his email with the phone number. So I reached out to him, and uh, hopefully he hears, uh, gets a chance to get back to me because I'm really looking forward to to getting and getting together on the telephone and talking with him. So that is basically that. But if I so just go over to the website, fill out that form, it's right in the sidebar there, and you are good to go. It'll probably take you about a minute to do that. Everybody, let me see what else. <clears throat> okay, I did the uh, I did the podcast with Jeffrey the other day, the on the road, Jeff, uh, Jeffrey Mundell, who is the uh, inmate in New Jersey State Prison. I hate identifying that way, the inmate in New Jersey State Prisons. But that is uh, the only, how else would you remember Jeffrey Mondell? So, uh, and you don't remember people's names just like I don't. And yeah, I need to, to put, attach some sort of qualifier to it to uh, make you remember. So I, it was a wonderful, wonderful episode. Jeffrey poured his heart out to the uh, to best he could over from the prison cell to try to convince people to not go down the wrong path in life and make a decision that is going to end up having you lose your freedom uh, for God knows how long. So he did a wonderful, wonderful job, a heartfelt episode. Hope, hopefully I could post it soon. I'm waiting to hear back from New Jersey Department of Correction because what I did say to them until... Uh, as a quid pro quo, I don't know, well, I guess it wasn't really a quid pro quo, but just so to know, so that they would know there's nothing underhanded going on, that I would send them the file, and they could listen to it first, and if they, if they approve it, then I will post it as a podcast, and if they don't approve it, well, I won't do that out of respect, to have to stick to my word, <clears throat> right, be a man of, be a man of your word, so hopefully, God willing, I sent it to them right the next day, 
and it's only been a couple of days so they did acknowledge that they got it and i don't know what the protocols are there how many people have to listen to it uh the episode is 61 minutes long so i don't know if they're gonna listen to the whole thing or just jump around on it but whatever they do jeffrey was great he was fantastic and uh, it was uh, a very very uh uh, I mean, we laughed a couple of times, but it was a very solemn, uh, solemn episode uh, of how how a, a one mistake in your life could just changes everything. And, and it doesn't have to be a mistake where you're going to prison. It could be a mistake of uh, running through a stop sign or or doing something on the farm and say, "Oh, let me go get that out," or let me move that on the tractor and having a tractor accident or a, a million a million things in life that could happen that just changes everything and that's why we have to be grateful for what we have so uh let me just get my little water here <clears throat> okay i'm sorry and uh, hopefully nobody knocks it over g-i-n-g-e-r is in the house or i should say is here so i shouldn't put this makes too much noise here hold on i gotta get a little bit more professional but uh <clears throat> so hope but she is sleeping <clears throat> the other night she didn't come home till uh one o'clock one thirty in the morning so it's been a rough deal with her every night she's uh, w- doing a walkabout i'm just gonna sorry clear my throat again okay i am back and i thank you for putting up with that but you know we're gonna have a a, a light-hearted episode today because I've hit you with some some heavy-duty stuff the past couple of weeks, and I uh, appreciate you hanging in with me on that heavy-duty technical talks. And uh, it's this is going to be lighthearted in a little bit of a different way, I guess. Um, I'm not going to say it's going to be fun, but I think that you may hopefully you'll enjoy it. But the caveat that I am attaching to this is, and you're not going to know what it is yet because I'm, I'm leading you down that path, is that I'm hoping that many of you respond and have this and share with me one or two of your stories. And you're going to say, stories, what is that about? Well, you know me, I love stories. And uh, what I'm going to discuss today is a story unto itself. When I was a young boy, I would say... uh, I don't know, early teenagers or before, I don't know. Well, who knows? Who remembers at that particular time, right? Is that I was very, very, very intrigued with a lot of this, uh, I don't know. I wouldn't, I guess you could call it science fiction, but some people may be insulted. But uh, I don't know what what qualifier you would put on it. I guess we're not getting the rain because the sun just came out. But... uh, I was very, very intrigued with, uh, I don't know, if, what UFOs, Bigfoot, the Bermuda Triangle, the Great Lakes uh, has supposedly had a, a, something like the Bermuda Triangle, and all of that is those, diff- those different things like that, specifically UFOs, and uh, very, very intrigued. And it was a wonderful time to be a young man because the magazines which i which i I devoured so many magazines i love magazines and sad that they all went away but uh 
popular mechanics, popular science, mechanics illustrated, and obviously the car magazines, Hot Rod, Car Graph, Car and Driver, Motor Trend, Popular, Hot Rodding, Drag Racing, Super, drag racing, uh, super Stock and Drag Racing Illustrated, Farm Journal, Successful Farming, so I mean, I, you, you name it, I love them all. Uh, just it, was, uh, it just represented a different part of me when I would read that magazine. But they were very enamored, as I was, with UFOs back during that era in the 1970s. And uh, they, uh, well, it probably started in the, in the late 60s with Project Blue Book from the Air Force. But especially then, you know, in the mid to late 70s, there was a lot of uh, articles written about that in those magazines about aliens and uh, alien well you know it was i wouldn't say alien abductions because they kind of mentioned it but it was more about about ufos and uh, bigfoot and all of those different things and it was a man's magazine you can't say that today right because oh you're sexist but anyway but the fact of the matter is is it it didn't go much <laughs> they did a very good job at it those three publications because it wasn't it wasn't like they were uh, science fiction it was almost like a scientific analysis or statement of something. They, they, they're very well written. Let me just leave it at that so I don't go on for a half hour trying to explain something that I can't. So anyway, but I loved all that stuff. And then on television, I think it was on 7.30 at night. I forgot what day it was. It may, I think it was Tuesdays. Not that it makes a difference. But there was a show... Uh, and Leonard Nimoy was the host, and maybe many, many of you remember it, and if not, you could probably look it up and get old old uh, back episodes on YouTube, and it was called In Search Of with Leonard Nimoy, and oh boy, did I think it was Tuesdays, because I used to watch In Search Of from 7 to 7.30, and I think Baba Black Sheep came on afterwards, which I loved, Baba Black Sheep, with the uh, with the F4U Corsairs in there and uh, Pappy Boyington. So it was a it was a great TV night for me. And I wasn't much of a TV person, but it was a great TV night over here. At least I was concerned. I don't think my sister cared too much about it. But it was all that mystery, and uh, Leonard Nimoy would would uh, cover a different topic each week in that in search of. So what had happened was that. Uh, <clears throat> It doesn't take much at that particular point, being out in the country, being out in the farm, being, and this was a beautiful, beautiful area back then. Oh, good God in heaven, I say this many times, it was, uh, <clears throat> you must have been in Iowa, Nebraska, Minnesota, whatever, I mean, you never knew that you were 55 miles away from New York City, from the George Washington Bridge, it was dirt roads, there was more cows than people, and uh, there was no light pollution, there was one traffic light in Hackettstown, oh, fantastic, fantastic, I mean, uh, this it was a, a wonderful blessing and a wonderful upbringing uh, on the farm and uh, and you know having a love of of machinery, having a love of cars, having the love of agriculture, of nature, of the animals, and our farm was a, a blessing to a young man like me because it wasn't all tillable. Every farmer wants the most tillable land right because you can't farm non-tillable land but it had uh, a good portion of it and the lion's share of it was uh and still is wooded so you had a lot of wildlife that if you were out in the middle of let's say you'll pick on iowa out in the ten thousand acre field or that 
5,000 acre field in Iowa that you wouldn't have all the wildlife that you had. So we had everything. And to somebody who loves animals like me, this was, this was utopia. I mean, it really, really, it really, really was. I mean, I wouldn't mind having some more acreage, but it, it really made no difference because it was fantastic. And I dreamt about dreamt about the farm and just it was a it was a life full of dreams and and part of those you know being in that in this particular area and being dark and being out in the country and having uh, nobody around and no neighbors also was was ripe fodder uh for uh, looking up in the sky for flying saucers and things of that nature so it was uh, it was it, it was a uh confluence like two rivers coming together of many many different rivers in my life and it was a wonderful time to be a young man it was a wonderful time to be in america and uh, reading the car magazines reading the farm it was a, and you know it was a time of promise and of hope and of being able to make something of yourself which i think is lacking a lot in today's world but anyway let me not get off on that high horse. I'm going off on a tangent here, so right? I'm off the lane. I, I, should, I think I should put rumble strips on my microphone so when I go off on a tangent. But anyway, <clears throat> so it was wonderful, and then it didn't take much for a young man's imagination to to uh, see to to expand upon what what I read or what I watched on, on Leonard Nimoy in search of. So it wasn't. Uh, it, it, it like i say it was very fertile soil for me but anyway so what had happened was that i really you know got interested in all that and then my cousin lives up in washington state up on the washington side of uh, the columbia river gorgeous well, i guess that's the thunder maybe thunder's coming back gorgeous area hopefully the power doesn't go out and i lose this whole show and um he lives in clickatat county which was supposed to be at that time the epicenter of bigfoot so i would talk to him on the phone and and everything and it was just like fantastic so uh, he was older or is older than i am so uh he was uh, uh, probably people thought he was my uncle but he was actually my cousin paul paul demchuk in case you're listening paul all right you were cousins so uh but it was it was fantastic and this area here also i'm just listening to the thunder uh, this area here is also warren county is ripe with a lot of lore i mean we have shades of death road <coughs> in hackettstown itself there's the muscanet kong river and the muscanet kong river is supposed to have uh this creature there and it's called the mantis man praying man it's supposed to be look like half praying mantis and half man and he's supposed to be huge and fishermen supposedly of good rapport uh report of was uh that's not even a word i'm looking for but of, of high standing in the community claim they've been fishing along the muscanet kong river and they've spotted him and that muscanet kong is about five miles from our farm so uh but so like i said came together beautifully but what i wanted to do today in this show and these this is what i'm asking you to reach out to me 
is not if you if you want to talk about ufos and if you liked all that stuff as a kid and what have you fantastic i mean i love to share that you have you share that with me but what i want to ask you to do is you join me in this this is going to be in search of mechanical mysteries and i'm going to be your host instead of leonard nimoy all right where he was looking for extraterrestrials i'm looking for mechanical mysteries because the more we work on things there is there are instances where things happen and they have no no explanation whatsoever None. So they're like a flying saucer uh, or a Bigfoot. No explanation. Or Loch Ness Monster. I forgot about that. The Loch Ness Monster. That was something good. And there's supposed to be a ton of those Loch Ness Monsters all over the place. I think the Great Lakes had one, supposedly. But uh, but anyway, so this is what I'm going to ask you to share with me. So I'm going to ask you to be, so share your mechanical mysteries. And, you know, I know things happen mechanically or something that, or, or mechanically slash electronically, I put it under the same under the same banner, is that, uh, you know, you turn on the computer, boom, and it blows up on you or something. I'm not talking about, I'm just talking about this weird, weird things that happen that you have no explanation for. You could try to explain them, just like you could try to explain a UFO, or you could try to explain a Bigfoot or a Loch Ness monster, all right, or any other Bermuda Triangle. But we all have it. So I'm gonna. I made a list of ten different things, eclectic things here. So to start off with this, this first, at first, probably last episode of In Search of Mechanical Mysteries. I think I should have gotten some, some music, some spooky music there. Alrighty, boy, we're getting some pretty good thunder. I don't know if you're hearing it, and uh, and uh, hopefully, like I say, they don't get a lightning strike and the power goes out. But hey, whatever you're gonna do, it is. All right, the first thing on my list that I want to share with you. And I've spoken to you about this before. With with, I think I did a show a year or two ago. If you're that long time, that been listening that long, about about different vehicles or different things that I can never figure out what was wrong and I can never fix. And so maybe one or two of these things are on this list. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to do this uh, succinctly and uh, not elaborate on them too long. My 1969 VW Bug bought it used for four hundred dollars all right it was uh uh eight, it was less than 10 years old and you try to buy a car for 400 dollars today right it was a semi-automatic i learned a lot working on it i've told you that before uh it was a what i say it was a great little car no my 68 dodge dog was a ten thousand time better car than the bug i mean i mean better as far as reliable economical had a heater and all the other things but the bug i had a lot of fun with and i learned a lot and as i had said to you is that i could never get the gas gauge to work on that bug never if i would i my cousin had a 69 common gear which was the two-door sporty volkswagen so all the parts were interchangeable the body was just different and uh we took everything piece by piece out of his common gear and put it in my bug because they, they were so simple to work on because you opened up the front the trunk right which then i think call them like a frunk now or something with these evs and uh the gas tank was there so you took the you, the ascending unit was right there they had a, a rubber mat or something over it and it had a cardboard backing 
to the firewall, and that covered the the dashboard, the back of the dashboard. So you just you could take the speedometer out. You could do. Everything. I mean, it was just so simple. The workout is fantastic. All right, and uh, so we took everything. I'm just gonna excuse me. Uh, <clears throat> took everything piece by piece out of the common gear, put it in my bug. All right, would not work. And no matter what I did, even with all of my parts in that bug, if I took the sending unit out of the gas tank and I moved the sending unit by hand, held it in the air, so by air, by, by hand, the gas gauge would work beautifully. Move the sending unit full, half tank, empty, right? Uh, tried, so that's a, that's a mystery to me. So, so that's an in search of why did this gas gauge never work with this bug tried grounding the gas tank well if i had it in my hand it didn't work it wasn't didn't need to be grounded but tried grounding and made it took a piece of rubber an old tire tube from one of the farm tractors and cut it all out and put it underneath the sending unit figuring okay maybe it is grounding and that's why it's not working but would not work so that is a leonard nimoy in search of mystery all right so these are all over the map so next thing i had a 1971 dodge dart swinger hard top so it had no pillars thought with a 225 slant 6 a904 or a904 automatic really 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 nice car uh subsequently at, at the time i didn't know what was i kind of thought i knew what was the matter but i really didn't know and at the person the people who had it i was only the second owner i bought i think i bought that for four hundred dollars also and uh they were librarians the husband and wife and they go like a mile or two with it the motor was carboned up probably carboned up to from here to uh to uh to rome so uh but anyway nice car that body style was very very nice it had a it had the optional steering wheel and there was a rubber ring uh, around the inside of the steering wheel, around the whole perimeter. And no matter where you press that rubber ring, the horn would blow. That was an option that Chrysler had back then. It was pretty neat. And uh, that car, what I did one day, because I used to do uh, every couple of years, change everything, change the belts, change the hoses, change everything. I changed the uh, all the hoses, the heater hoses, uh the upper and lower radiator hose and the bypass hose that's the only thing it had so i changed all those hoses right and uh put them on there knew how to i mean it wasn't my first rodeo i was a young guy but it wasn't my first rodeo changing hoses i mean did it meticulously uh sandpaper there was no scotch break that then emery cloth not really sandpaper. cleaned everything up oh the thing it was beautiful it looked better than when it came from chrysler that the, the, the fittings where the hoses would go on lubricated them put the hoses on to put the hose on put new new uh uh screw clamps on not the chrysler spring clamps i never liked the i had bought the special pliers those price chrysler spring spring clamps and they were always a pain in the neck to work with so i put regular uh regular screw type hose clamps on it brand new ideal hose clamps all beautiful stuff right put it on there not i am repeating not my first rodeo pour pour new coolant in it <clears throat> new antifreeze started up to bleed the system out every hose connection leaked i'm not saying one connection or two connections every hose connection leaked it leaked at from the top of the from the, the top neck of the radiator to the thermostat from the bottom of the radiator to the to the water pump in and out of the heater core 
in and out of the engine and then the bypass hose i think the bypass hose that's such a was such a short bypass hose i can't honestly say it leaked on both ends there was maybe two inches long and everything leaked i still can't believe it to this day everything i mean it wasn't pouring out of it well it wasn't you know like a stream spitting out but every connection leaked never in my life did i have that it was i spent more time cleaning those connections as i always did i was very anal about all that because my father came from in the air force and during world war ii he's a p-51 mustang fighter pilot i shared that with you before and then he had crashed in a sandstorm and he was a line mechanic on a bomber crew then he was very taught he taught me and my friends very meticulously everything is meticulous all right the the lug goes back on the same stud the bolt goes back in the same hole all the bolts are cleaned every gear so everything leaked everything leaked I, I, I to this day i think if i saw bigfoot or saw a flying saucer i would have been as surprised so i took everything back apart saw nothing wrong with it. i said well it's impossible how can everyone leak you said, oh this one leaked well maybe i didn't tighten it good or or maybe a piece of dirt fell under there or something and nothing everyone leaked uh basically took it off re-put them back on nothing was different the hose was in the same spot put the clamps back on and nothing ever leaked again so great 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 mystery so in search of these mechanical mysteries all right the next thing was when i had my shop i bought a junkie old i was getting married or got engaged my wife was well my or charlotte was wearing my lincoln on her ring finger as her engagement ring and uh i found this junky old s10 it was a 83 s10 uh with it i told you about this truck before it looked like it was from a fleet like from the railroad or something it was it was yellow oddball oddball combination it didn't even have a radio on it uh it had power steering power brakes that was it had a sliding rear window for some reason but it rattled like anything and uh the it was just a piece of, it was a piece of junk but i did a lot of work to it it ran great looked terrible all right uh looked like it belonged in a junkyard but uh i say it ran great but it did have a problem and uh, it was a two liter which was a cavalier j car engine mounted the long the normal way not transverse with a 700 r4 transmission why in god's name they put a 700 r4 transmission which went into trucks it went into corvettes it i mean uh the grand nationals had a 200 r4 4r one was 4r and r one was r4 i don't know what he did that way but it had this big moosey transmission all right in there great transmission right but the thing is that in this little truck with a two liter and you could literally a kid on a tricycle could outrun this truck all right so but what had happened i had it for a year or two and then all of a sudden that's important because you said well you never had it before it's maybe someone always did this right and it had it was a wonderful education on cruise cruise carburetor icing it would never ice up the carburetor would never ice up during uh uh idle cold start idle or warming up it would you'd be go down the highway and it would uh the, it was on the <laughs> the borderline of the temperature for 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 carburetor icing i drove it for a year and a half and never had a problem nothing changed 
everything worked on it, all right? And you're riding it for an hour, hour and a half, all of a sudden the truck would lose all power and it would be the 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 carburetor would be iced up and it would be blocking the uh, the signal to the main metering circuit so it would only idle it would only run on the idle fuel it wouldn't go more than five miles an hour he'd be going down i-80 i was going to michigan all of a sudden it started to slow down slow down so that you'd, you'd come to the boy it's pouring sounds like it is and uh and uh and all of a sudden like i said out of nowhere I didn't know what I could do. The e, I mean, the truck was, it never, it, you'd have to run it for an hour, hour and a half uh, before it had a problem. If you just ran it, whatever, 20 minutes, 30 minutes on the highway, it never had a problem. And uh, chased that thing until I got rid of that truck and had the carburetor that did. It was a 2SE, which is a quadrant. It didn't look like a quadrant. It was a progressive two-barrel. So basically had a primary and secondary bore. Great little carburetor. It was a non-feedback one. Um, and uh it was a pain the linkage was a pain in the neck to take apart uh because of because of everything that was going on had it it apart a million times couldn't find anything couldn't find anything wrong with it the 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 it went to the junkyard never knowing why all of a sudden out of the blue was like somebody who got sick uh, got cancer or got something it got this cruise icing condition and uh no matter what I did, could not get rid of it, and it was so inconsistent that you couldn't even put your finger on. So that's another mystery: the S10 carb cruise icing of the carburetor. If anybody's a pilot, they know what I'm talking about: cruise icing. All righty, let's see another. Th- all right, the next mystery uh, to me, which has never been solved and never happened again, is that Ford had a. This is about my 2013 Ford Fiesta. Ford had a recall, and I really don't follow these recalls much. I never have because the way that the litigious, litigious society we have today, they have one car that does something and they recall 100,000 of them or 10 million of them or what have you. And I always use the mindset, the less you touch something, the better it is. So Ford had a recall on door latches. On the Fiesta, maybe the Focus, I know my wife's Escape supposedly had it, and they said something, uh, a, a, a pole or a spring would break in the door latch and the door would fly open. All right, or the door wouldn't open. Oh, that would, I think it would open. Uh, no, it definitely would open. I don't know if it could, could not open also once you close it. That I don't recall. But anyway, <clears throat> I said to myself, I'm not having taken my door panels apart to change door, to, to change door latches inside. The, the, it was, it was, it was a, I'm not going to say it was a big rigmarole, but I didn't want my, I had no problem with the car. I don't want, so I figured, right, well, the door doesn't want to close. I'll hold it with my hand or do something and then I'll get, then I'll, I'll deal with it then. So I never had any issues. So Charlotte and I are going to Michigan. And I, and it was about a year or so after these, these bulletins or well, campaign came out, this recall for the door latches. We're going, it's summertime, we're going down Route 80 west. So that's important because it is a, uh, you know, it's a mate, it's an interstate highway. There's no curves, not going down a mountain road or something. I'm driving with two, <coughs> with two hands on the steering wheel. All right. I knew it for a fact I have two hands on the steering wheel. And we're going down <laughs> Route 80. And miraculously, as if, as if they were, and I'm using this term like a ghost, the driver's door opens at 70 miles an hour. 
And I'm not even leaning on the door. I'm not even leaning on the door. The driver's door opens, swings open. Like, it was absolutely, I, I, I got so startled. All of a sudden, you're going 70 miles an hour, I have the air conditioner on in the summertime, and listening to the radio, and talking, boom, and the driver's door is open. And then, so I quick grab it, and I, I close it. Never, never did it again. But, that's a mystery. But the thing, two days before that, Charlotte has her Ford Escape, which we had zero, zero problems with either one of these cars, zero. When I mean zero, I mean Zippo, baby. All right, nothing. Not like, oh, I only had a couple of problems. I'm considering zero. I mean, zero problems. All right. Uh, and she's going uh, east of here to Fairfield, New Jersey, to go see her aunt. And actually, her aunt, her cousin, Pia, is the one who introduced Charlotte. And that's Pia's mother. So go to see her aunt, Thelma. And she goes down Route 80 east and gets off to ride on route 46 it's probably about 35 40 miles away from the farm going towards the city summertime because it's the same two days later we went to michigan with the fiesta she's going the car is running fine she didn't hit anything she's actually stopped at a traffic light on route 46 she stopped at a traffic light and all of a sudden she she goes to step she smells something and then she goes to step on the gas and the car won't move and then by God's grace, there was a nicest man behind her with a flatbed truck. And uh, what had happened is the trans, one of the trans lines to the to the cooler lines to the radiator broke, snapped. Snapped like somebody took it, boom, like, and, and busted it. There was no, now you say, oh, that's not a mystery because she probably ran over something, right? I asked her if she, if she hit something on the road, a tire, she, she hit nothing. But on that car, on the Fiesta, the, Fiat, the, the Escape, everything is covered underneath. There's almost like aerodynamic paint, uh, uh, not pans, uh, they're, they're heavy plastic, uh, I thought you call shields and, uh, almost like a belly pan underneath it, and uh, it's actually a pain in the neck because when you change your oil, you got to take everything off. Maybe it's fine in a lift, but if you do it on your back, it's a pain in the neck, like I am. But you know, no marks on nothing, and these and these transmission lines are not that low. They're low down, but they're they're not they're not sitting right in that pan, and the line just broke it, and it. It just snapped. It was like a perfect snap. So we had, so that gentleman was so nice. Uh, he towed her to her aunt's house, and then we had the car towed. And then I, we were going to Michigan, and that was something you couldn't do. On, you needed a lift to do. So my friend and the Ford dealer did it, and they were wonderful. Ford was wonderful. Uh, my friend Kurt is an excellent mechanic, and and his friend Matthew is a friend of mine. They said we. Ne- I said, did you ever hear of this? Did you ever see this? No, we never had this happen on any Ford, on any car in my life. I said I never had it happen either. I've been in the business. You can say, oh, you ran over something, you cracked it, you busted it, you did this or whatever. I said this thing snapped beautifully, beautiful, and and like Kurt said to me, it wasn't even an area where there was tension, like it was going around something. It was it was unbelievable. So. So that is a mystery to this day. Put the lines in it. Kurt put the lines. I'm saying Ford was wonderful. They didn't even charge me. They did a, uh, they did a uh, what do you call it, a, a courteous warranty, even though the car had 90,000 miles, 80,000 miles on it. Maybe not 80. But had, had, I mean, it was way out of warranty. And so, and then two days later, the door swings open on the Fiesta. 
transmission lines never broke again fiesta door never opened this is one for leonard nimoy all right in search of why that happened Alrighty. next thing on my list of 10 we're about halfway through is that when i had my shop precise automotive i had a customer nice guy but a pain in the neck terrible you say how can you be a nice guy and be terrible well he was a nice person but terrible to do business with for the simple reason being is that he never built a hot rod before he had, the, he had a really nice 86 camaro at the time i rock and we did a big we did a 383 with a, i think it had brodex heads on it a supercharger on it i mean i think it had a uh had a vortex on it uh maybe a vortex or a pack i don't think i think it was a i think it was a vortex because i really didn't deal with paxton uh so anyway did i mean so when you have somebody in that in that business that doesn't know anything about anything all right and they go through the magazines and they say oh you just said it's 50 or said this guy figured he must have had 2000 horsepower by the time he got to the end of the magazine with all the stuff he wanted to bolt on here but anyway so uh what happens is that we're getting ready to i always road tested it when i say road tested i put four or five hundred miles on a car i would take it back and forth i mean in the custom with no back and forth to the farm of maybe for a four or five days or a week and uh make sure that it's cold starts make sure just real life because real life road test not oh let's go around the block okay your car's fine i mean i didn't do that if somebody came in for a tune-up but if they're doing a, a calibration or a, or a big job like this so anyway uh came back got back to the shop one day alternator stopped charging and that was that newer series delco i forgot what they called it uh at that time it was the smaller alternator which wasn't as serviceable it was like a 10 or 12 si i used to fix those all the time but everything was soldered in with this and everything so pain in the neck so alternator stopped charging and excuse so it was and had that it didn't have the easily accessible voltage regulator not that the other ones were weren't you had to take you had to split the case to get the other which was fine which is no big deal i did those for years learned how to do those in general motors and loved doing those but like i said this was this this series alternator that later small mini alternator didn't really lend itself so what had happened i figured that the voltage regulator went out on it not a diode something happened to a voltage regulator so what had happened was that uh we got a, a delco reman um and uh put it in their boom cars beautiful drove it for a day or two beautiful fine and we did not have the opportunity yet to put to to bring the core back or them to pick up the core for the reman all right so basically he has the reman alternator in the car working beautifully all right and uh we have his alternate stop charging in a box on the shelf waiting to go back as a core makes sense right well with making arrangements that's the day he's going to come pick up the car the car is done he's going to pay, pay pay his bill and pick it up right so joey who i hope to get on the show one day uh he was uh he became an engine an engineer and a patent attorney but anyway so i said to joey bring roy's car around but then we go over show him everything on it he and he was when we would build a project like this that people were always in and out of the shop a million times and then the thing is that uh most of them were so now it's all back together i put it up on the lift showed him what we did underneath showed him how what how everything fits but joey says to me i said joey bring the car around he goes to me ray ray it's not charging 
I said, it's not charging. I said, we got a, 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 a Delco Reman alternator in there. All right, it's like two days old. He says, it's not charging. So uh, so he says, I still got the old one. Roy's, I st- his name was Roy. I still got I still got Roy's on the shelf. They didn't bring, they didn't take, take it back to the, to the dealership yet, right? So I said, I mean, and this customer was such a pain in the neck. I mean, a night, like I said, it's hard how somebody could be a nice person, a sincere nice person, and a terrible person to do business with. If anybody's in business, you will understand what I'm talking about. So, so Joey says to me, entertain him, and I'll. It's easier to swap the alternator. I'll swap the alternator, I'll, uh, whatever. He, he won't know what's going on. I mean, not that I had a deceptive business, but what am I going to do? I, the guy's got an alternator on there, right? So, what happened was that uh, we. So now, remember, the alternator that we took off wasn't charging because I came back from the farm and it wasn't charging, and it was not a connection. It was not a corroded wire. It wasn't a ground. There was nothing. It was the problem was in the alternator. So I said, Joey, that alternator's in charge. He said, well, maybe we'll be lucky. Maybe it'll charge. So I said, all right. So Joey swaps the alternator. I'm showing Roy other stuff. or showing some people, some other people's cars. I don't know what I was doing. I, I was entertaining him, got him away from the car, which, you know, I don't like to do that. If it was a normal customer, a normal person, I'd say, look, the alternator stopped charging. I got your old one here. Let's uh, even know uh, what, do you, what do you want to do? But like I said, with him, it just would extrapolate it out. I mean, he this. I mean, he, this guy built at the time a twenty thousand dollar three eighty three stroker, which was a lot of money. A lot of money today, right? And uh, I mean, it beautiful. It Oliver billet rods, J pistons, Cali's, Cali's cranking it. Brodex heads. I mean, everything was top-notch in it. All right, the thing is that I remember he was going over the bill and he was arguing with me about $1.19 a piece for spark plugs. So this is how this is how this guy was. If I would have told him his alternator wasn't charging, then it would have been, uh, uh, forget about it. All right, so I said to him, Roy, I said, that's, I said, I didn't even, I said, that's what the auto parts store charges me at the dollar 20 something for spark plugs. Said, well, you could get them in Kmart at the time. <laughs> get them at the Kmart, Delco plugs. You got the same Delco plug for 69 cents when they're on sale in Kmart. I said, I'm not arguing that, Roy. I said, but, I said, I'm a, I'm an engine shop. I'm not going to go to Kmart. I said, you, you wanted to go to Kmart and pick them up and bring them here when we were building the motor. That would be fine. But the auto parts store charges me a dollar twenty nine a spark plug, and I didn't even mark it up. It was my pass through. All right. And then so, I said to him, I said to Sharon, look, take take, give take just take the take the spark plugs off the bill. Don't give them to him for free. I said, Roy, I'll give them to you for free. He's, you know, uh, for free if that's going to make you happy. Uh, eight spark plugs at a dollar twenty nine, and then, and I said to him, "Why are you there, Sharon?" Because Joey came into the office and he just opened the door and he gave me a thumbs up. So the 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 mystery here is why did the why did the old alternator, the original alternator, start to charge? Why did the new one conk out? And then we put the old one back in. The ran beautifully, ran fine. Everything was fine. And that alternator lasted for years, years. Never gave a problem again. And Roy got his spark plugs for free. So that is a great, great mystery, because, like I said, uh, you know, it wasn't the wiring. I'm not going to go into what we did prior to that to check everything out. It wasn't the wiring, so it was a mystery of why that happened. Why, why that happened? Okay. 
The next thing was my 87 Buick Regal T-Type Limited, but that had a 307 Oldsmobile motor in it. It didn't have the turbo motor, even though I worked on a lot of turbos. It was a drop-dead gorgeous car. It was Regal Limited, uh, so it was a T-Type Regal Limited black with uh, with with the burgundy uh, crush velour uh, split. A uh, gorgeous car, gorgeous car. And not because it was mine, it was gorgeous. And uh, I had that long before I, m I met Charlotte, bought that new. And all I could say was a great drive-in movie car. We'll leave it at that, okay? So, uh, but anyway, and the younger people, they probably don't even know what a, what a drive-in movie car, what a drive-in movie is. But anyway, my buddy Gene, who is a longtime listener of the show, who lives now in Las Vegas, we're going to Michigan. I think it was Labor Day Labor Day weekend. We're going to Michigan. We used to always go someplace, Memorial Day and Labor Day. And uh, we were taking the Regal instead. He had a Mustang at the time. And I get off I-80 to take, uh, I think that's 280 there. If I remember, I've gotten it a million times. I haven't paid attention. Get paid a toll on I-80 to get off to go 280 to go up through, the, uh, to then pick up 75 into to, through Detroit, right? So you have to get off I-80, still in Ohio. Cars running beautifully. Oh, beautiful, right? Go to pay the toll, pull up to the pull up to the uh, to the toll booth, and tap 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 tap. We had just stopped and gotten gas. Before that, everything was fine. Tapping like a '68 Chevy, the valve lifted. Tapping tap 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 tap. I said, "What the heck is going on here? Motor's running fine. Open the hood. I mean, do something. Check the oil. Is look underneath the car. Nothing. Well." I cannot. This uh, it's a mystery, but it's not a mystery like the other things. And then what basically had happened? Make a long story short. I ended up coming. I mean, we went on the rest of the trip. Just tapped our way. The car got beautiful. I did a, a perfect gas. Nothing. Nothing idle. Beautiful. Nothing wrong other than tapping. And what had happened was that when they built the engine, somehow one of the I think it was an intake valve must have missed the heat treat process. And it actually mushroomed over the stem of the valve. And why it probably was, I mean, obviously it was going on. Like I said, it's not a great mystery like the other stuff. But uh, it was probably right from the get-go wearing and flattening out the valve. And you have to remember, because it's a hydraulic lifter, all right, hydraulic lifter engine. It was a roller lifter, hydraulic roller lifter engine. And... Uh, it uh, the way a hydraulic lifter works is that it takes up so you don't have a you don't have a uh, a lash or a clearance adjustment you don't have a gap like you don't on a, on a mechanical lifter all right you have preload on it so what probably happened is that the valve stem was being pounded the car didn't have a lot of miles on it maybe i don't know what it had, maybe fifteen thousand miles probably from the from day one it was pounding but the way a hydraulic lifter works it was able to take up that preload and it probably just peened over enough, mushroomed over enough when I got off the highway there that the lifter was all out of preload adjustment hydraulically, all right, uh, with the with the oil in the piston, uh, piston meaning the hydraulic piston in the in the valve lifter, and that's why it started to tap. So unbelievable. I said, you know, I said to Gene, you know, if a customer told me this, I'd say they were lying. So that's a mystery. It's not really a mystery because, uh, like I said, I could make a mechanical reason. I mean, I know what happened. I mean, because we pulled the head apart is that the, the valve was all mushroomed over. The stem and actually had to grind it to get it out of the head. 
through the guide. So, but like I said, I'm putting it into this category. All righty, Regal Valve Tap. All right, just yesterday, well, maybe a couple of days ago now, I finally got a chance to take the snow tires off the Fiesta. All right, so I took the snow tires off. They're on rims. Everything is on rims with the Ford rims, not tire rack with the Ford, with the Ford tire pressure sensors in it and everything. Paid to paid one years ago for my lungs for that, but had zero problems. Zippo, nothing. All right, the people tell me, "Oh, go buy buy the sensors from Napa and put them in there." But then you got to buy this tool to so the light goes off and and go buy and uh, buy the no no no. I said bought everything from Ford. Same thing with my wife's escape with the snow tires. I could do whatever I want. Take them in and off. And no no tire warning light goes on. No recalibration. Nothing. So. I take the snow tires off the front on rims, and I look in my notebooks. Okay, now it's time for me to rotate the tires that were on the rear of the car to the front, and the tires I had off all winter are going to go, which were the old front tire, front front wheel tires, are going to go on to the back. Beautiful, no big deal, right? Jack it up, do this, boom, boom, boom. Before I did that, you know, uh, check all my tire pressures. I uh, I take a temperature gun and I read the read the temperature of the tire so i know what i want to normalize the pressure so i go through beautiful right 35 pounds uh it was a little bit warmer that day so uh so it was 35 pounds 32 cold 35 hot and everything is perfect right put it on the car take the snow tires off they'll go for a five mile test drive always do that uh go to town and back it's like uh like three miles each way well i turn around just by the m&m factory so it's not really in town but anyway so beautiful fine no problem next morning do what i got to do with it go for breakfast beautiful fine so i said to myself all right i gotta go to the john Deere dealer and i gotta pick up some stuff there and i have to also they're a steel dealer and uh i gotta get some two-stroke oil for my chainsaw and my and my uh, blower, my leaf blower, whatever you could steal, leaf blower, and and uh, so I used this. I used the uh, ultra premium, whatever they have, the their best steel uh, two stroke oil. And then my Cub Cadet, I buy Cub Cadet oil. There were no problems. You say hey, I can use. I, I don't care. I buy their oil because the steel is fifty to one, and this then the Cub Cadet is forty to one. So just and and beautiful, no problems, right? So I said, let me go. It's first thing in the morning. They're already opened. I said, let me run there. It's in Blairstown, New Jersey. It's about 22 miles away. So let me run there. I could run there, let's say 20, 20 minutes, 21 minutes there, 21 minutes back, and 10 or 15 minutes, 20 minutes looking at tractors I can't afford and looking at other equipment and get my oil and I could get some other stuff there and come home. I should be home in an hour, hour and two minutes. Beautiful, right? So beautiful day uh get on route 80 uh it's about like i say 22 25 miles depending on which way you go get on route 80 go past the first exit the next exit now there's not another exit for seven miles <laughs> the the uh low tire pressure warning light goes on and in my car you say it doesn't identify which tire it is just as low tire and i know with what with the ford systems i have it has to get below 24 pounds so if it gets 23 pounds i don't know if it's 23 and a half then it triggers the lowest oh god and i hate flat tires especially in these newer cars today because i got one flat tire with the fiesta it was nothing to change uh they the jack was fine it was like a scissor jack 
it took me like two and a half hours to figure out how to get the jack and the spare tire back in there properly so it didn't rattle. It was like <laughs> like doing building a ship in a bottle. So anyway, so I said, oh, God. So I said, well, the car doesn't seem to be driving differently. So it must if it, it must be a rear tire, not a front tire, because as you know, with a front-wheel drive car, there's no weight on the back. You can have like eight pounds of air in there and still ride pretty good or drive pretty, you know, whereas a front tire, you'd feel I keep taking my hand off the steering wheel. All right, so I said, all right, fine. Uh, God willing, I said a prayer. God willing, I could get you know get off the next exit that i was going to get off for the john deere dealership but it's like five miles up a two-lane road but the truck stop is there that i used to go to and i know they have an airline out there so i said good god willing i could get to the get to the truck stop and and put air in the tire and then i'm not even going to the dealer i'm just hightailing at home so i always carry a, a tire pressure gauge with me not my good one uh, the cheaper chinese one but it's fairly accurate accurate enough to be on the road so i pull into the ta truck stop there to, by the service space for the trucks they got the line out there so i i i, uh, I stopped excuse me ahead of time before that to try to see which tire it was and i and it was the uh, the left rear so i said all right so i get to the ta truck stop another seven miles i got my gauge go to put air in the tire I said, let me I'll pump this thing up to maybe like 50 pounds. Uh, it's unregulated. I know what that line, it's 110 pounds. I pump up to like 50 pounds and uh, check it with my gauge, put the cap back on and hightail it back to the farm. The heck, we're going to the John Deere dealer today and, and see what I'm up against. So I do that, get back to the farm, all right, check the tire. Tires didn't lose any air. I said, "Wow, well, it didn't lose any air." I said to myself, "All right, so let me." So I'm laying on the ground, looking to see where the screw or the nail, or whatever I ran or must have run over, and uh, see nothing. So, all right, well, let me take the tire off and examine it. You know, wheel off. So I take the wheel off, jack it up, take the wheel off, and roll, looking around and see nothing. So I got myself my soap solution. I'm spraying, spraying the valve, spraying, spraying everything, spraying the the, the tire, rolling it around going around the bead i mean if it had a bead leak it's not going to leak like that i mean when i got on the highway and rode the rode the car 30 miles before that so anyway so i can't say anything so i said all right well i have a i have a uh a watering trough it's a uh i forgot the name a tartar tartar i think it's called a watering trough like a small one like 40 gallons that i use for the for the animals for the deer and whatever for the bear to drink so i said to myself i don't want to go to my friend's shop with a dip tank to put i said oh, i got the watering trough i said let me go put the tire in the watering trough right put the tire in the watering trough look for some bubbles taking my time right look at nothing no leaks nothing <laughs> I said, this is crazy. So I take it back out again. I spent an hour and a half checking this tire. I said, it went from 35 pounds the night before to 23 pounds. All right, because I'm figuring, okay, I'm assuming it's losing the air pressure, but the light didn't come on until 20, below 24 pounds. So I'm, so I was fine. Check it, check it, check it, right? So uh, I said, let me take the valve stem out, put the valve stem back in, right? Put the valve stem back in. Never found any leak on it and what i think basically happened but then again it's a mystery but i think this one is not like a flying saucer i think when i pumped it up some a piece of i don't know i'm gonna say a piece of dirt for lack of better terms but 
but must have gotten in by the valve stem. I mean, when I put air in it with my compressor, I don't know how that happened because I think I put one pound of air in it because it was only down one pound over the winter because these were the tires that were in storage. So who knows? So I said to myself, all right, well, I'm, what I'm going to do is I'll leave it at 45 pounds and then see, wait for a day or so and see what happens. Never, I never saw a leak. Thank God it never leaked. There was nothing in the tire. Unbelievable. Uh, and it didn't leak on the way home from the truck stop. So now what happened where I rode 30 miles first and then got on Route 80 and obviously was leaking? I assumed it was a fast leak to drop the, the pressure so precipitously to put the, I'd say, low fuel, low tire pressure light on. But who knows? It's a mystery. Uh, if the valve stem was leaking, you would tend to think in 24 hours it would have leaked enough to only... I, eight or ten pounds to get to who knows so <clears throat> but there's nothing in the tire there's no leak there's no nothing and now three or four days later the tire is perfect i said to charlotte when i told her what had happened i said for some reason and i mean the good lord did not want me to go to that that tractor dealer at that particular point who knows maybe i would have gotten in an accident who knows but and uh, but it was 100 percent perfect and i did confirm it had 23 pounds it wasn't like that the sensor was reading wrong i confirmed on two gauges at 23 pounds and that is that so that was that and then uh two more and then we are done and then i hopefully you will share with me your mechanical mysteries when i had my shop in hackettstown I had a customer, it was a GM car, I don't remember whether it was a Regal, I mean a Buick or an Oldsmobile, it was one of those two, it was a full size, like so easy for a Sabre or a Delta 88, for some reason, uh, I, maybe, I don't remember what we, I had to do with it, but I had to, all I had to, I had to, oh, I had to take the, the steering wheel off, so maybe it was a wiper switch, I don't remember, so anyway, took the steering wheel off, all right remember i i i worked in a gm dealership when i was in college so i was very familiar with and with these year cars so i was very familiar it was like an 80s type of a gm car very easy to work on had the proper tools uh, you know proper proper puller for the steering wheel proper installer everything right and the horn paired on all of those gm cars there was two seven millimeter head bolts in the back so it was I, so it was a seven millimeter almost like a sheet metal type of screw and i was using my same my same little quarter inch ratchet and my seven millimeter deep did that for years when there two screws right in the back and it's the horn pad comes off you do what you want put the horn pad on right now there's only two screws holding the horn pad on now what had happened was that Put it all back there to fix the car. Beautiful, no problem, right? Uh, road tested. I always road test, even for that. No matter what I did, I road test. Oil change, I would road test. Make sure that you know that no problems. Not looking to sell work, making sure there was no problems. That oil felt the leaking under higher pressure, whatever. So anyway, give the person the car back. I remember they worked in the M and M factory. They were a new customer, and I don't remember. It was an older gentleman. I was a young guy. I was maybe 28 years 26 27 he's also maybe he was 45 or 50 at the time maybe he wasn't 90 years old a couple of days later not the, not the same day two or three days later the guy comes back all ticked off 
And uh, he says, oh, you know, you're precise automotive. You ain't so precise. You know, uh, I don't know what to say to him. Jeez, please tell me, sir. I, I, I don't know what you're talking about, right? And he's got the horn pad in his hand. He says, I was driving to work and this fell off. What kind of precise are you? You're not precise. So I said to him, fell off? Well, first of all, there's two screws on there, right? And he had the screws. The screws fell off and the screws <laughs> fell on the floor. Here they are. So, uh, you know, let's say, uh, let's say I messed up. I'm not perfect, right? And I didn't tighten one of the screws all the way. That horn pad would be bouncing around. You would be well aware. It's hard for me to explain the way that steering wheel was. It would be well aware of, of uh, that horn pad coming loose. All right, and and so even if the movement of it, and this guy only lived in Hackettstown and drove to Eminem like three miles. It wasn't like he was going to California. He said, so I apologized profusely to him, and um, I I and I I think I even gave him his money back uh, for the labor, which wasn't much, maybe an hour's labor. Gave him his money back and put it on there, and uh, there was nothing that I could do to tell that guy otherwise. And um, obviously never saw him again. And the thing is that, but that was a great mystery to me, how two screws could come out and that as it's loosening up, you know, like people say, oh, my wheel fell off my car. Well, a wheel makes a lot of noise banging and everything before it falls off a car if you didn't tighten the lugs and you just go boom. It's not like a, like a fan belt that breaks and how he wasn't, a, I, so honestly, what I'm saying is that, was that a mystery? It's a mystery that I never solved. I personally think that that he took the steering wheel apart to see what I did inside, which you couldn't tell whatsoever if it was a if it was a wiper switch in there or it was a, a, a directional switch. Could not tell whatsoever. You'd have to pull the steering wheel off and pull it. So I think that he did that. Um, seemed like a nice guy. I mean, I have no idea, but it was a, to this day, so many years later, it's such an embarrassing mystery to me what happened um, with that. I mean, so either it's a real mystery or he lied to me, and I've had people lie before. Hey, one guy with a Firebird, we did a, did a cam on it, set it all up. It was a nice car, tuned port Firebird, set everything up. The car ran beautifully. And then about two or three weeks later, he comes back and with a problem, check engine light on, code 22, TPS high, car just surging and fast idling. So I look at it, and I used to set the TPS on those at 0.56 volts at with the minimum air rate, which I'm not going to now set set first. You have to set the throttle angle first where you set the TPS because it's a function of it, right? And his TPS is like 0.97, so I said 0.97, I said, uh, I thought maybe the TPS went bad and shorted inside, right? So, no, the TPS wasn't bad. I said, the, the screws are tight. They were torques, T20 torques. The screws were tight. So I said to him, so I, I said, look, I forgot what his name was. Said, the TPS is way out of adjustment. It's not even close. I said, in the screw, you, you're standing right here. The screws are tight. I said, it's not like you said, well, I left the screws loose and whatever they moved and the TPS moved this way. I said, the screws are tight. <laughs> and he says to me, <laughs> I don't think this was a mystery. But anyway, he says to me that, uh, oh, oh, you know, the other day I found a kitten under the hood. Maybe the kitten moved it. So I think what basically happened was that 
somebody told him because that you got to set the TPS higher for better performance because on the 5.0 Mustangs, which he did not have, he had a, a GM 5.0 Mustangs. If you set the TPS just about one volt, they ran stronger. I mean, they ran fine before, but they just had a little bit more of a edge to them. So I bet you somebody told him that to set the TPS at one volt, you'd have to go in there with a voltmeter if you didn't have a scanner, and 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 uh, and set it because that's the only thing that I could say. The kitten didn't do it. So I said to him, whatever his name was, look, whatever. I said he had his screws are tight. You could see it wasn't. I didn't. Not. I forgot that. I, said, I don't know. I said if you ever see that kitten again, ask him if he wants a job here. I said because. Uh, so that was a, a a mystery. I think with an explanation, like that wasn't truly a UFO. Is it was a fighter jet or something? Right out up there that you, it wasn't a flying saucer because this kitten must be carrying around a T twenty talks and it's paw and a uh, a scanner to set the tps or at least a at least a multimeter and some leads to get into that tps connection all right so that was that and then one more and then this basically is it my regal that i was talking about the 87 beautiful black regal t-type limited my shop when i had that call my shop i was the first tenant it was like an industrial park building small industrial park i was the first tenant in that part of the building so for all intents and purposes the shop was brand new my friend gene can attest to it it was immaculate you could have done brain surgery there all right it was me working by myself all right at that time and then i eventually got a uh, an employee and the things working by myself everything was brand new the 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 everything was brand new at the i the, my workbenches were everything was immaculate clean all right like i said better than an operating room and my regal got some kind of it wasn't really a rattle it was like a plasticky creak over by the glove compartment and i hate any noises inside a car hate them so it was a sunday i remember it was like maybe like in february or march it was it wasn't dead of winter but maybe march it was chilly and i went to you went to church and came home i wasn't dating charlotte wasn't dating anyone at the time and had had lunch with my family in the farmhouse i said to my my mom and dad so i'm gonna go into the shop the shop was like four miles away from my house from the farm so i go to the shop i said i'm gonna i wanted i said i got this i called it a rattle not that my mother can't so i'm gonna go do some i want to do something on my car so i figured all right fine i'll do that sunday afternoon and like i said i worked in a buick dealer so i was very intimate with taking those cars apart then again you get back that same quarter inch drive ratchet with a with a 12.7 millimeter deep socket you took half that you took that dashboard completely out of that car those gm cars was fantastic so i take the hush panel down i take the hush panel down uh take the glove box door off i'm looking up in there and everything right to see i had some uh some little bit of foam i took some of the the the, the wiring harness there. i couldn't find out what was making the noise and as you know if you work on stuff like this sometimes you can't identify what's making the sound so you just gotta you know move stuff around or insulate some stuff all right and i think somebody called and i went to go answer the phone now mind you it's a 1500 square foot shop 30 feet wide 50 feet long right or a little bit less brand new workbenches i'm working next to a workbench i have one tool out i have this quarter inch drive ratchet with a 
with a seven millimeter deep 12 point socket that's all i needed all right that's all i needed so i think the phone rang i come out of the car i put the 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 ratchet with the socket on because i thought maybe it was my i was my mother was okay at that particular point she wasn't she wasn't really sick but i always was afraid that you know who would call me on a sunday other than other than my mother or father that something happened or my dog wendy god forbid something happened or something happened at the farm so i don't know it was like a there wasn't really telemarketers back there was a wrong number so i got i was underneath the you know working the passage i'd come out of the car Put, put the regos right by the workbench beautiful lighting in that shop i keep repeating it put the put the the socket uh with the rat on the ratchet on the workbench go to get the phone nobody there come back i think i i think i got a, something out of refrigerated glass or, or milk or water or something i've had there come back right i can't find the ratchet i cannot find the ratchet i said this is crazy there's nobody in this building there's nobody here. The places, there's, there's every other tools in the toolbox. I have 15 or 18 feet of workbench, brand new workbench tops, right? There's nothing in here. I said, well, I stuck it in my pocket. Maybe I put it in the refrigerator. Maybe I didn't take it and put it in the workbench. Maybe I put it underneath the seat. I ripped, basically, almost ripped that car apart. Spent. I had another wrench to put, this, to put the car back together, all right? never ever ever found that ratchet and this is all that's the mystery that uh, that that it was like i said i'm a christian guy i mean i love the lord it was it was like there was a ghost there or somebody and they took that ratchet from me when i turned my back and uh, and was laughing never found that ratchet ended up moving out of that shop never found that ratchet with that socket had the car another three or four years never found the ratchet with that worked on the car did everything vacuumed the car never ever found that ratchet and it was like a ghost came and took it and and, and took it away when i went to go into the telephone and there was nobody in the telephone either so whatever it was i mean it was like a it wasn't like i said it wasn't even a wrong number it was like there was nothing there so what have you so i thank you for letting me do this lighthearted show today and uh i ask you to please reach out to me with your mysteries that that could have been on in search of so i'm in in search i'm not looking for ufos i'm not looking for bigfoot i'm looking for i'll i'll end as i started i'm looking for why my volkswagen gas cage never worked which i caused long in the junkyard and where my ratchet is in my regal and that car is long gone also because i replaced that car with my lincoln mark 7 lsc and who knows that is the as paul harvey used to say the rest of the story so thank you so much and please share your stories of mystery mechanical mysteries with me and you have a wonderful day have a blessed day and know that the hot rod farmer is pulling for you the american farmer and rancher and my beloved beloved america have a blessed day and i'll catch you next week thank you bye-bye